Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful Word of God, Lord. Thank you that, that uh, you have expressed yourself in this word, and Lord, that we have the privilege to hear your word this morning. Help us to hear you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 14, and Joseph returned into Egypt, and he and his brethren and all that went up with him to bury his father, after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now, we've been in this section here uh, of Genesis, which is really the post-Jacob. I mean, Jacob is gone now, and that's why this section really starts with, with, with verse 15 when it says that Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead. And then they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. So this is the part here where the section begins when it says Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead. That's a very important word. In verse 15, he saw. Why? Because it was a terrifying time for Joseph's brothers when they saw that their father was dead, and they began to fear what Joseph was going to do to them. Now, the reason that they were afraid at this, well, let me ask you, why do you think they were afraid? Because their father was dead. Why? Because? Okay, no one could restrain Joseph. In other words, they saw, uh, they saw Jacob as the restrainer of Joseph. In other words, they saw Jacob as a powerful mediator or intercessor between them and Joseph. They saw Jacob as a dominant person who stood in between Joseph and the brothers there. And now that Jacob was gone, they felt exposed. They felt vulnerable to Joseph's anger. Now, we know that they didn't know, but we know, and they found out, that when Joseph wept, that they, then they understood that Joseph was not going to take vengeance on them, and so it was unfounded, their fear. But nevertheless, seeing their brothers in this state of panic, which is what they were in, as they saw their intercessor, 
Jacob was gone, it's very instructive for us when we look at this, because we can put ourselves in the place of the brothers, and we can see our heavenly intercessor, uh, Jacob, the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they saw, they saw, they saw Joseph as God the Father, and, and they saw Jacob as their intercessor. We see the Lord Jesus Christ as our intercessor with God the Father, and we're told that in Hebrews seven twenty five, where it says about the Lord Jesus, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. We need an intercessor with God. We have to have one. And that as our intercessor, we are told that the Lord Jesus, in between us and the Father, he prays for us. He doesn't pray for the world. He prays for us. He said in John 17, 9, John 17, 9, he said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. So, and this is why David, when he was, when he was looking at this situation in Psalm 73, 25, he said, whom have I in heaven but thee? So he's saying, I don't have anybody else. I really need you as my intercessor. And that is our intercessor. We are told that the Lord Jesus represents us before God the Father. We're told that in Hebrews 9.24. Hebrews 9.24. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So he's not just any other run-of-the-mill intercessor. He's not like we looked at the phone book and we found a lawyer who has an honest-looking ad. But but the Lord is an intercessor that has gone through death and resurrection, and he's now making intercession for us in heaven, which is what Romans 8.34 says. Romans 8.34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Who is there in heaven but him? And that's why that's why it says in Romans 8.31, Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things if God be for us? This is God the Son who's representing it. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then we're told that he does something in intercession for us which is extremely necessary. It's very important. We're told that as our intercessor, he pleads before God the Father when we sin, not for when all of our sins in the past, but when we sin now. It says in 1 John 2.21, 1 John 2.21 rather, 1 John 2.1, 1 John 2.1, it says, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So when we sin, not if we sin, but when we sin, unfortunately, it's a when and not if. When we sin, who's there? Who's there to take up our case and plead before God for us? Certainly not Mary. Certainly not any of the saints, but only the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, the most important intercession for us was at the beginning of our life with God, at the start. There was no start with God until our sins were dealt with, until they were paid for. And this is the great work that he did for us when he paid paid for our sins and removed the separation, removed the distance that we had between us and God, which is what our sins did from Isaiah 53.12. Isaiah 53.12, he says there, 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That means that when he intercedes for us, what he does is he takes his wounds and he takes his blood and he shows them to the Father. And he says, this is the basis, Father, for why I am making, for, for me making intercession for them. And as our intercessor, what he does for us is he makes it so that what we ask for, he does. That's what he says in John 14, 13. John 14, 13. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then as our intercessor, we're so, we have so much sorrow and so much grief and so many funerals, so much cancer, that we need comfort. And so as our intercessor, he sends to us, he asks the Father, he really, he asks the Father, who then sends to us the great comforter, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So when he sends the Holy Spirit to us through the Father, he asks the Father, the Father sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he comforts us, but that's not all he does. That's not all the Holy Spirit does for it. Not only comforts us, but he intercedes for us, especially in prayer. He intercedes for us when we're like way off in left field in our prayers. And we, our prayers need to be misguided. He reguides them. That when our prayers are like, if we were to see a, a copy of what we prayed, we'd go, I can't believe I said that. You know, that is so rough. I need a little bit of time to polish that over. It's okay. The Holy Spirit takes our rough drafts and he polishes them up to the Father. And then when we pray and we seem so heartless and so like, I'm not really into this. You know, I mean, I I think I could fall asleep if I was listening to myself. As a matter of fact, sometimes I do fall asleep while I'm saying these words. There's so little passion in our prayers. The Holy Spirit then adds a passion to our prayers which are called groanings which cannot be uttered. And this is all told to us in Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for. That means being out in left field. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, now, right now, we're, well, we're in the process, unfortunately, we're always in the process of writing briefs and pleas to judges in San Diego, in Manhattan, in court cases. We're, we're, we're trying to, 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 to get the court to, you know, grant our summary motion or whatever, you know. We're, we're trying, we're actually doing that in Manhattan right now where we're trying to get the, before judge, famous judge Coito, you know, who, who sent to jail the, lawyer of the blind sheik because there was passing information on how to do terror attacks. Anyway, famous Judge Coitel. So we're going there and we're, we're trying to, and we're asking him, give a summary judgment so that uh, the other party is found guilty and we're only talking about numbers. Anyway, when we do these kind of things of writing these pleas before judges, the, the thing that we are trying to do is to understand how the judge is thinking so that we can be on the same page as the judge. Now, when the Holy Spirit makes intercession to God, to God the Father, he knows exactly 
what God the Father is thinking. And that's what it says in Romans 8.27. Romans 8.27 says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow, that's really something. Now, how's that for helping us in prayer? Redirecting our prayers, polishing up our prayers, our rough drafts, adding groanings which can't be uttered. Our Wednesday night prayer meetings ought to be full. That's what they should be. All right, anyway. So as our intercessor, he stands up against the devil, who is our enemy. And we see that in Zechariah 3.2. Zechariah 3.2. The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And then we saw the Lord Jesus also rebuking the devil for us on our behalf. When it said in Luke 22.31, Luke 22.31, the Lord said to Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. Now, that's, that's what we have in the Lord Jesus as our intercessor. I mean, it's, a ba- it's wonderful. He takes his wounds. He takes his blood. He shows them as a base of the payment for our sins, and he intercedes for us. He saves us from our sins. As our intercessor, he, he saves us from the uttermost, or if you want, the guttermost. And then he's praying for us. He's not praying for the world. He's praying for us. He's representing us to the Father as the one, as the Savior, who became like us, only without sin, in that he died, and but he was resurrected for us. He's already in heaven now. He's appearing in heaven for us. He's not on the outside of heaven like some priest here on earth who's on the outside and has to knock on heaven's door like Bob Dylan's song, knock, knock, knock it on heaven's door, hoping it opens. Our intercessor is already in heaven. He, he's appearing for us. And he, he, he's instantly pleading for us when we sin. It's, it's almost like we wear him out with all of our sins. And he's paid for all of our sins. And he's making it possible for us to receive what we ask for. He's sending us the Holy Spirit to comfort us who takes our prayers and redirects them and so forth. And he knows what the mind of God is. And he's making intercession according to the mind of God. And he's standing up for the devil, standing up against the devil for us. I mean, we are so fortunate. We are so fortunate to have an intercessor like that. It's no wonder that the, that the Bible says that the Lord Jesus as an intercessor is incomparable incomparable when it comes to being a mediator for us, as it says in 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man, the man Christ Jesus. No one compares to him. Nobody compares to him. And the great thing about him as our intercessor is that in our mediator is what he, is, is, is what he said about himself in Revelation 1.18. Revelation 118, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. So as our intercessor, he lives forever. And that's great. That's great about the Lord Jesus. Because also, also, he he it says in Malachi 3 6 about himself, he says, Malachi 3 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. And in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. He doesn't change. We're so blessed to have the Lord Jesus Christ as our intercessor. Now, I know this is hard to imagine, but just imagine what it would be like for us to to have the Lord Jesus Christ as our intercessor only for a limited period of time. 
And after that, we no longer have him as our intercessor. We'd be terrified. We'd be 100% terrified. And sometimes, you know the problem with us? Sometimes we just get lulled into taking for granted all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. You know, eternal security, once saved, always saved. You know, interceding, always interceding. And we kind of fall asleep on that. And it's so easy for us to fall into the category of the nine lepers who were cleansed by the Lord, and they didn't even turn back, didn't even turn around and give them thanks. But if we lost the Lord Jesus as our intercessor, you know, if the Lord said to us, I'm sorry, but I've got others who need my help, so I'm going to stop representing you, and i got to go and, and, and stop being your intercessor, we'd be terrified if, if that happened. Like in the case that happened to us as a company where the company was trying to kill us, another company was trying to kill us as a company. You know who I'm talking about. And our law firm at that time told us a few weeks before the trial where we had already paid them millions and millions of dollars, and they said that, uh, okay, now we're going to double what we told you it was going to cost in the trial. I, I, I could, sometimes I couldn't tell if we were more at war with the people suing us or with our own law firm. You know, but anyway, this is what happened. And then they said, now, if you refuse and you don't agree, what they did, what they did to us is they drew up what's called papers for petition to withdraw, withdraw. They can't just back out. They got to go to the judge and ask for that. And they threatened to give those papers of withdrawal to the judge who was to the judge just a few weeks before the trial that had already been like five years of preparing for it if we didn't agree to the new demand for the extra money. We were so terrified, we caved. We caved and we agreed to pay them the higher amount for the trial. But I remember how terrifying it was to read those papers for with the request for withdrawal from the case, that they weren't going to represent us anymore. Now, what if the Lord Jesus sent us papers like that? You know, papers of withdrawal. And it said that, you know, that yeah, in the past he'd represented us to the Father, but now he's going to withdraw from, from representing us, which of course he will never do. But, but, but that should never stop us for, from thanking him for constantly not withdrawing from being our intercessor. And, I mean, for sure, that's not easy for the Lord to keep on with, keep on representing us. And we can picture the Lord in heaven, you know, sometimes with, with what we put him through is he puts his head on his forehead and he says, what in the world? I can't believe it. This sin again? Here we go again. More chastening, more correction, more pain. When will they ever learn? And you know, there are angels that the Lord assigns to take care of each one of us. The Lord Jesus talked about those angels when he was talking about children in Matthew 18.10. Matthew 18.10. He said, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. There are angels that are personally responsible for us. And we get to heaven and meet them. We can imagine how those angels are going to say, you just about wore me out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't live to 100 years old in heaven in earth, as I think I would have died taking care of you. What were you thinking? And, and, we, and, and we think that nobody else sees us here on earth. But if our angels, you know, maybe our angels at times wanted to come to God and say, that's it, I quit. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, this taking care of him is too much. Helping him get all this filth of his sin, it's not in my job description. It's over the top, you know. <laughs> but even if angels 
wanted to withdraw from us. The Lord will never withdraw from us. And just imagine if the Lord were to withdraw from being our intercessor and withdraw from helping us. How terrifying that would be for us. And we'd feel, we'd feel, what we would feel like is the picture of these brothers right here as when it says there, the word saw in, in verse 15. When, the, when Joseph's brethren saw that their angel, that their father was dead. See, that was Joseph's brothers receiving the letter of withdrawal from their father Jacob. Where, where, in essence, the letter from withdrawal from their father Jacob said, sorry, sons, but I'm withdrawing from interceding for you to Joseph. I'm no longer your representative to Joseph. You're on your own. You have to represent yourself before Joseph. Terrifying. Terrifying for them. Just terrifying. And that's why the brothers went into this overdrive with their, with, 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 with probably propping up Benjamin to go, go plead for them with their concocted story of what Jacob said before he died. For some reason, he never told anybody else that. And when the brothers did that, they were trying to bring Jacob out of the grave. And they were trying to hold up Jacob to Joseph and say, and say, and and they would say, see, your your brother, see, Joseph, your father is speaking even though he's dead. He's telling you to forgive us. It's like the brothers have gotten Joseph out of the grave and they put some sunglasses on him and they're propping him up. And, you know, just like weekended Bernie's, this is weekended Jacob's. It's pretty desperate. It's pretty desperate. But desperate people do desperate things. And that's what the brothers are doing here because the brothers saw that when they lost Jacob, they lost a powerful mediator in Jacob and they felt so exposed and so vulnerable. So these brothers saw Joseph as we see God the Father. And they saw Jacob as we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it had been a long time since the brothers we're really separated from Joseph. I mean, 17 years old, he's, you know, it's, it's like an eternity, and now they're, they're seeing him. And we can imagine how they thought to themselves, you know, we really don't know Joseph. You know, we've been separated, you know, for so long. I mean, we know Jacob. We, we were never separated with him. but So we know Jacob really well, but we don't really know Joseph now. He's so different, looks Egyptian, all these things. Well, in the same way, we don't really know very much about God the Father. We don't. And from the, when we read the Bible, we don't know very much about God the Father, just as they didn't know very much about Joseph, but just as those brothers knew that they needed an intercessor. They knew Jacob. They needed an intercessor between them and Joseph. So we know we need an intercessor between us and God the Father. In the same way, we know a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ from the Bible, and we value the Lord Jesus, our intercessor, just as the brothers knew a lot about Jacob, because they were never separated from Jacob. They valued Jacob as their intercessor. But Joseph now sees the desperation in their heart. He feels the fear that they have, and he speaks to them. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum, and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104 or sign up at reachisrael.com That's reachisrael.com What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30pm at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 